0: A few weeks ago, we've been talking about the context of false foundations. Foundations is something you build on. Houses are built on a good foundation, or should be built on a good foundation. Lives should be built on a good foundation. Jesus said the greatest foundation is the foundation of his word, hearing it and doing it. And the foundation is displayed by not only the ability to hold up the weight that's been placed on it, but also to withstand the storms against it. If, the, if a storm comes and it crumbles, then it wasn't a good foundation, not a good build. And the reality is when we try to build our lives or our careers or whatever it might be on things that are in conflict with the Word of God, when storms come, we begin to see the cracks. We begin to see the problems. And it doesn't mean that, that we're bad people because Jesus said, in this world, you'll deal with trials and tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome. And that means God wants us to live in a place of victory, and we, we access that by faith, First John 5, 4. And so, as we walk through the process in the building of life, relationships, careers, whatever it might be, it's good wisdom to say, and Proverbs says wisdom is a principal thing, to find out how am I building, by what, by what foundation, what truths am I making decisions, directing the path of my life, so that it can be built on a foundation. You never know if a foundation is bad, by first glance at the house. It takes a process of time. It takes a process of pressure. And not that God's the, the author of pressure because the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But we begin to see what we have built on. Now, many times, and as a human nature, if we're not careful, and based on when you got saved, we can build our marriages, our lives, our careers, our, our happiness, our joy, whatever it might be, on the foundation that's not on the Word of God. And we've talked about how Paul and Silas were in a prison, and they begin to, to praise God at the midnight hour. They were in prison because they were doing good, not evil. They were in prison. They were under the pressure because of what they were doing good. The enemy doesn't like it when you're living right. People aren't always going to be happy when you're happy. So when God blesses you with a better job or a raise, or you don't need to tell everybody. You always want to make sure you give God thanks for what he's done, and you can tell a few people, but not everybody's going to smile when you're telling them. Right. Have you ever had that moment in a conversation, and you are so excited about what God j- just has done, and you are, you are flying high, you're in cloud nine, and you go to tell somebody, and you can tell by the expression on their face that they either don't care, mm-hmm. or they're not too happy. Right. And you can allow that to discourage you. No, don't worry about it. You just learn who you, who you can tell. You don't tell everything to everybody, good or bad. Even your prayers, oh, my God, I need somebody to pray with me. You don't need to put that publicly. You tell 100 people and they'll all say, oh, I'll pray with you. They're not gonna pray for you. How do I know that? Because you've said it to people and you didn't pray for them. Come on, somebody, right? I'll be praying for you, right? And then the Lord starts dealing with you about you didn't pray for him. You said you're going to pray for him. And what do we do? Oh, Lord, touch him. That's all the prayer we're going to give him. <laughs> so we need to have people to pray with us. Right. Prayer of agreement. Right. But not everybody. Right. And so the foundation, they begin to pray. They begin to worship God. Even the people in the prison heard them. And the Bible says an earthquake came and shook the foundation, and their chains were had fallen, broken and fallen, and the doors were open. And we've taken that as an illustration how in life, if we're not careful, we can get comfortable in the setting we're in. Sometimes great settings, sometimes not so great. And what happens is we'll begin to live life imprisoned by the routine of our past. We'll get comfortable with the the clarity of the picture of yesterday to define our todays and tomorrows, And we'll not make a decision or direction or motion and obedience to the word of God to go to where God wants us to be. Oh, I don't need to, I don't need anymore. My family's comfortable. Well, praise God, your family's comfortable. But once you start using your faith for the increase of your income, maybe double it, and you can give it away and help other people. Do you see the problem with people the misunderstanding of, of blessing? That they think blessing, oh, oh, I'm not in prosperity gospel. Everything through Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation talks about when you obey God, He's going to reward you. Hebrews 11.6, don't take my word for it, challenge everything that is said by me and anybody with the Word of God. But doesn't Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it's impossible to please Him, that He that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So prosperity gospel should be that, hey, if I'm going to obey God, he's going to bring increase. But the problem with people that don't like prosperity gospel is their mindset is that if you have increase, then you must consume it. And the reason they look at it that way is because that's what they would do. And the reason they would do that is because their heart's not right when it comes to the area of possessions, material stuff. God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things to have you. The Bible says, I has not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered the heart of man. the things that God has already prepared for those who love him. But he reveals them to us by his spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus did a whole thing about, hey, the world's after this stuff. And then he goes in to say, he didn't say, you shouldn't want it. He He didn't say, if you're my disciples, you won't need it. He said, listen, the Father already knows what you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things that the world wants, God will give it to you. Right. The problem is we go after things and not after Him. On, that's and that's, that could be a bad foundation in our life that needs to be altered or changed so we can step into the blessing that God has. What happens if you did spend some time fasting and praying for God to give you a financial increase so you can sow into the mission field? Come on. But we don't want to always go through the tension process of faith through fasting and praying and studying and speaking the word if it doesn't mean that we don't get personal benefit out of it. Come on, come on. Think about that. Not you, the, the people that are next to you. Think about that. What if we what if we our faith begin to change, say God, I want what you want me to have. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to reach the people you've called me to reach. Not for my benefit. And God will reward you. But because of your will and what you want me to do. Right. I'm going to spend more time fasting and praying. Not so that I can have more. Praise God. God doesn't mind you wanting more. But God, I want you to help me to reach more people. Yes. Yes. When your focus is not just how high you can climb, but how, how high you can bring other people in life. Amen. Can I get an Amen. Can I get a better amen? Amen. You're making me nervous. I'm trying to get through a quick review. and You guys are so quiet. I don't have to teach this thing all over again. And so when the foundations begin to shake, the hindrances, the chains begin to break. Some of us live in a pattern of life that even if God brought an opportunity, we don't have the ability to step through it. We're hindered. Our thinking's hindered. Our perception's hindered. Our mindset hinders us. We always blame the devil. Where some people in the religious world, they'll blame God. But it's harder to take the responsibility on ourselves say, God, what is it in my life? Is there anything in me that's hindering me from being what you want me to be, from doing what you want me to do, to having what you want me to have, to reaching those who you want me to reach? David said, search me out. I'm like a book. And see if there's anything in me that displeases you. And show me and lead me in the path of righteousness. Because it's harder to say, God, maybe, maybe this word is true. So maybe the problem's not the Bible. <laughs> maybe there's something in my life I need to learn. I'm, I am a huge fan of being hungry for the things of God and for learning, always being open to learn. Always being open to learn. The moment you find somebody who knows everything, smile and step away because knowledge will always give you the revelation that there's more to learn. Anybody who thinks they know it all, don't know anything, and your best is not to argue with them, smile, love them, and step away. Calmly. Get away from them. I'm a firm believer that we all, no matter how long you've been saved, oh, I've been saved for 70 years. You could be saved for 700 years. You you should still be learning. And open for God to speak to you. I mean, that's one of the challenges even in, our, in most ministries. You get to a certain point that you know enough to teach it and preach it or, or share it. And you think that's all you need to do is work on teaching and preaching and sharing it. And no longer learning to grow. I'm telling you, be hungry for God. Lord, show me a, if there's a better way to preach, if there's a better way to evangelize, if there's a better way, I'm ha- you might be having great success, but if there's a better way, I want to know it. Because, you know, better means not only effective, it means more efficient. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a better amen? amen. And so th- there's foundations that need to be shaped to open the freedom so we can move. But if you can walk around in a prison free, but the, d- the gate or the door is still closed, you're not going very far. Right. See, some, some Christians, their belief system, their foundations that they believe hinders them. from. They can move around a little bit, but they can never go to outside the boundaries of the religion or tradition. Right. Right. Jesus said, your traditions have made the word of God... None effect. Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown. Why? Because of their perspective. It wasn't God. And it wasn't the devil. It was their mindset. The mindset can, your mindset can change how you receive or not receive from God. This is is like a deeper message than typical. But this is something we need, you don't have to be paranoid about it. Don't get paranoid and freaked out about stuff. Just say, Lord, if there's things in my life, show me. The Holy Spirit has a way to show you at your level, at your step, to take the next step. He's not going to give you 500 steps. He's going to give you one step. Because He wants you to follow Him. The steps of the righteous are ordered. Amen. Amen. And so the foundations need to be changed. So we need the ability to move, but we need the ability to see the doorway, the open doorway, and walk through. And we talked about that last week, three foundations that we definitely all need to be aware of that we need to deal with. And that was the lack of teaching. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Oh, God doesn't do that anymore. Says who? Well, you know, my preacher, I respect him. You can respect that preacher. Honor him. But doesn't mean you have to obey and do everything he says. Challenge everything with the word of God. Because if he says something, if I say something that's in conflict with your understanding of the word of God, stick with the word. Let the Holy Spirit reveal the word. For the Bible says that the anointing will teach you all things that you need not men to teach you. It doesn't mean you don't need men and women of God to speak into your life. But the reality is teaching comes from revelation. Revelation comes from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that we need whoever is saying it, wait for the revelation of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and give you understanding, Matthew 13. The Word gets understanding, then it comes as a seed into your heart. If you're just doing it because you heard it, someone say it, then you're working on mental information, and that never carries the ability with it. But when you get revelation from the Spirit of God, He gives you, the Bible tells us, the desire and the ability. He gives you the desire to do it and the power to do it. Amen. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel the stress of the winds that are blowing against you but you know all of a sudden that you don't stand alone and you can stand with the power of God against the winds. Can I get a better amen? amen. And so the, lack, the foundation of lack of teaching, the second foundation of bad teaching, wrong teaching. Jesus told, the, Jesus told his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they thought he was talking about bread. He was talking about, later you see, they came to understand that he was talking about not bread, but by false doctrine. Deceptive teaching. Are you listening to me? Not everybody is going to say the word correctly. Some people are just sincere but sincerely wrong. Some people are not good people. If you realize that there's some people, they might start off as good people, but for whatever reason, find themselves in life and begin to manip- manipulate people, control people, abuse people. Some of us have come out of that and been exposed to that in our history. And we just thought that's the way church is supposed to be. Someone dominating and controlling and abusing you. No, that's not freedom. Right. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. Right. That's what Jesus corrected them. said, listen, you take somebody out of bondage of sin, and by the time you get done with them, they're seven times worse in bondage. Yeah. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Well, preacher, if you don't control people, they'll go back and sin. Listen, if you need people to control you, to keep you from sin, let me help you out. You're going to hell. You just need to get saved. I'm not saying you won't be tempted as a Christian, but if you're living life and you need somebody to control you, you might as just realize the pastor or bishop or apostle or whoever, they're not the ones that saved you. They're not the one that died for you. And if you don't know Jesus in a real and personal way, you're not going to heaven. The problem is salvation. The problem is, we got a lot of people in the church world that have, that have joined a social club with the, with the steeple on top and not a relationship with Jesus. And they do what they think is right to earn their way to salvation. And they're going to hell. Someone needs to awaken them to the reality. It's about Jesus. Only Jesus. It's a real relationship with Jesus. And you can look the part and be empty and dead men's bones on the inside. And you can look and impress everybody in the religious world. But when Jesus shows up, Is that helping anybody? Not every person who's preaching is a good person. Man, some of them are just, I'm telling you, I'm not saying that we look at everybody with a slant. No, respect and honor people. But I live by this principle and it's worked for me. Our society rules is every person is innocent, or should be this way, innocent until proven guilty. I look at it this way every idea is guilty until proven innocent. You just don't, don't take everything, embrace every idea. Right. The disciples who lived with Jesus, part of his team, and he had to tell them, they've been listening to the word of life. They've been hearing the words from heaven. Because Jesus said, my words are not my words, it's the word of the Father. And even under that level of anointing and teaching, Jesus warned them, beware the teaching, the deceptive teaching. Right. Why? Because deceptive teaching carries the power of deception. Yes, That was deep. Yes. And deception, the power of deception is that you're not aware that you're being lured in and deceived. Right. Yep. The devil works on inches, not feet. And you'll find yourself believing and saying and doing things and I think, how in the world did I get here? That's called a bad foundation. I mean, if you've been, if you've been taught your whole life in the church world that God wants you poor and that's That's super spiritual. You need to get that uprooted with the word of God. You need to let the word of God uproot that out of your life. Because it will hinder you from doing and being and reaching those God wants you to reach. It doesn't mean you have to drive a Bentley. Find a balance in your life. But it does mean when God speaks that you should be willing to say, God, I, I'm going I'm to sell out to you anything you want. Most people, you know what they do? They've been taught the doctrine that if you, if you serve God, he's going to ask you to live in poverty. And so you know what happens? A lot of Christians who love God, but they're afraid to go all out 100%. Because if I serve God with all my heart, he's going to ask me to sell everything that I like. <laughs> and they get it out of one passage, Mark 10, about a rich young ruler... And the context wasn't that things or rich or property is wrong. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Jesus wasn't trying to get that rich young ruler to be poor because under the old covenant, which is where honestly that Jesus operated in under the old covenant, he came to fulfill the law. So the law was still in operation when Jesus was ministering. I know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what we call the New Testament, but really by, by the chronological of time, it's, it's the last part of the Old Testament, but we'll leave that for another time. And so Jesus wasn't trying to get anything from them because the word of God in the Old Testament says, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he will repay. So what Jesus was saying, do you want and trust me enough to let it down and I'll give it back to you? Because the disciples were freaked out. Again, challenge it. The disciples were freaked out, and they began to say, Lord, what's going on? And Jesus said, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than a camel to go through the eye of the needle. I'm not going to go into the details of that being a gate, but that's a part of it. And the disciples said, Lord, who could be saved? And Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. With me, all things are possible. And Peter said, most people stop right there. And Peter said, you got to read the whole story. Keep reading a little bit. And Peter, it's like getting three-fourths in the movie and leaving and think you already figured it out. Right. There might be a plot twist in this thing. Yeah. Oh, I read that book, or most of it. I watched that movie, most of it. Get to the end of it. Right. Find the conclusion. And Peter said, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, you're right. You're living a life of poverty. That's what I wanted you to do. No, Jesus said, anyone, 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 you, 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 anyone who gives up lands, properties, uh, houses, uh, relationships for me and the gospel's sake will receive a hundredfold return and list them again in this life with persecution, because not everybody's happy, you're happy, with persecution and in life to come, eternal life. So the end of the story is not what can you hold on to, it's what are you willing to let go of so God can bring it back into your life in an increase. That's the moral of the story. Not that God want, doesn't want you to have stuff. See, I'm not into religion. If you're a first-time guest, we love you, we give you anonymity, hang out and hide out. I'm not into religion, I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I define religion as man-controlling, putting on rules, and where people find themselves jumping through rules and I must be all right because Bishop so-and-so told me I'm all right. Well, Bishop so-and-so might not be right. Right, that's right. Bishop so-and-so might need his own level of ministering growth, and that's between him and Jesus. I'm not here to judge him. That's why we challenge you to challenge everything with the word of God. Because it don't matter what people says. Listen, if you'll, if you'll commit adultery and cheat on your, your wife, Telling your accountability partner you're okay is not that big a deal. Are you cheating on your wife? Nope. (laughs) Because you've already justified lying as a smaller sin than adultery. You know who you can't lie to? The Holy Ghost. I just figure if I get people connected to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, you know, I, he asked me to catch them, Holy Spirit cleans them, I'm letting the process begin, because if people are sensitive and their conscience is clear and their heart's right with God, if there's anything in their life in the process of time through the Word and the Spirit of God and conviction, he will deal with them, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you haven't, I think we've all been there, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit has a way of convicting like nobody's business, I mean, he, you're like, I just, I, Lord, I give in. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a better amen? Amen. Lack of teaching, bad teaching, bad experience. Too many times the human tendency is to define the Word of God by our own experience. We don't want to define the Word by our experience, we need to define the experience by the Word of God. Amen. Well, God doesn't heal anymore because I prayed for sister so-and-so and she died. Well, what's that got to do with it? I, you don't know what's all in the equation. This recipe don't work. I tried it, and I baked a cake, and it, it tastes bad. Maybe it's not the recipe. Maybe it's the person interpreting and, and following through with the recipe. Can I get an amen? amen? I followed my mother-in-law's recipe for fried chicken, and boy, was it bad. Well, maybe you didn't use flour. Maybe you used sugar, and you didn't realize it. It's all. It really happened. I'm not going to tell you who did it. So all of a sudden you're walking around and saying fried chicken, I, I messed with that recipe, I've done it, I've done it myself. It doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. There's no such thing as fried chicken, it's, it's no longer, it was maybe back in the day, no longer. And you're like, wait a minute, let me take you to a place, they got a lot of fried chicken. Right. <laughs> nope, 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 I've tried it, I've tried it, I had my friend try it, we did the recipe, we followed it to the letter. Maybe something you're missing. I don't know what you're missing because there's more than one step in the, in the recipe. But all you have to do is go find somebody who has fried chicken and eats, eats oh wow, An experience the fried chicken they have, but you can come to the revelation that there is fried chicken. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't tell me God doesn't heal. Don't tell me God doesn't bless. Don't tell me God doesn't give you peace and joy. Just find somebody who's got it. And you can say, wait a minute. Taste and see and know that the Lord is good. They can talk you out of it. all oh, they want to try. Let them try. Let them try. But you can be that man who just got healed. And they say, how did he do it? I don't know how he did it. All I know is once I was blind, now I see Someone who's experienced God is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. We need a generation. We need a younger generation that has experienced God. Because as they go into uh, high school and college and the world, there's too many forces out there that will try to talk them out of something. But you can try to talk somebody out of it. But once they've tasted it, once they've experienced the presence of God, once they've experienced the anointing of God, once they know, I know him. You cannot tell me. He does not exist. I've been with him. I know him. I might not be able to understand everything you're saying. I might not be able to go into the Greek and Hebrew. I might not be able to argue the point. But one thing I know, that he's real. That he's real. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Say, he's real. He's real. Good day, bad day, it don't matter. He's still real. You know, he's still a healer. He's still a healer. If everybody you pray for doesn't get healed, that doesn't make it. He's still a healer because the Word says it. You can still learn and grow in the process of faith, but He's still a healer. He's still a healer. He's still a healer. I'm telling God forbid you would have something and you're in your, your deathbed and you're taking your last breath. Let your last breath be. I praise you, Jesus, that I know you're my healer, because it's not based on what you feel, here. see. It's based on the Word. When you get that level of conviction, that level of determination, that level of mindset of saying, Lord, I thank you that you are the God of more than enough. You're my provider. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. As you stare into an empty checkbook and red lines and bills that are in red that you, are you going to say, Lord, I thank you that you're my provider. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know that you are more than enough. It's not my job to figure out how he's going to do it, but I'm going to press into the Jehovah Jireh, the God who's more than enough. I'm going to press in. I'm not going to get the Bible scriptures on peace when I need healing. I'm going to get on healing and I'm going to pressure because because I want to know him I want to know him just not his work just not his work you'll cut your short yourself short just trying to get something from his hand start pressing in and say listen I'm dealing with a problem there must be an area I know about his healing I've seen his healing but I don't know the healer well enough or I need to come back to that understanding and begin to press in Lord I'm coming to praise you I'm coming to worship you because I need to know you as my healer I need to have revelation I thank you if you heal me or don't heal me I'm not worried about that right now I'm just wanting to know him. I want 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 to know him. I've got to know Him. I want to know Him. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. I want to know Him. You get caught up in the church world with all the trinkets and all the blessing and all the benefits and praise God for it. But you got to look at the biggest priority. It's all about Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got to understand the balance. He wants you blessed. He wants you healed. These are covenant benefits. He wants you to have them. But if all we go for is the blessing, if all it is is about the money, if that's all we talk about is the money, how do we sell a drug dealer who's got so much cash he's torn in walls? Come on, come on. Because the devil knows how to bless his people too. But the devil, when he does it, he adds sorrow to it. But God said, listen, when you've built your nice houses, don't forget it is me that's giving you power to get wealth. When he gives it to you and he adds no sorrow, the Bible says, and I will not add sorrow to it. I'm telling you, you can do it the rat race of the world system, or you can begin to activate by faith and put your hand to work to the plow of what God called you to do, and begin to see God bless you, promote you, Elevate you, succeed you, heal you, and do it without the weight of the world. Without the weight and intention. I'm telling you, there's a better way than what the world... Some of you have tried the world system. You've done it and done it and done it. And the moment you get to the top, someone knocks you down a few steps. I'm telling you, when you do it God's way, He is well able to keep you. He is well able, the Bible says. He which brought you can keep you. There's something about the presence of God in your life. that you'll say, listen, thank you, Father, for all the good things. And when the devil begins to offer you the trinkets of the world, like he did Jesus, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. And you can have all these kingdoms. You can have all the money to them. And Jesus didn't say that's a good deal. That saves me from dealing with the religious. That saves me from going to the cross. That saves me from doing the will of the Father. And it looks like what the Father wants. He wants me to be the Lord. He wants me to have everybody under me. It all looks good but all the problem is, is the devil offers you that without God. That without God's will. And I'm telling you, when you get hungry for the things of God and let that come deep on the inside of you, it doesn't mean that you're in full-time ministry. If you weren't called to be in full-time ministry, don't Don't get in it. I'm telling you, you need to do what God wants you to do. But there's a process. Matthew 13 talks about this. That when the fruit begins to produce, when the, when the faith, the word begins to produce fruit, that the enemy will try to squeeze it out by getting you sidetracked, by offering stuff that looks like God, but it's not God. Oh, for people to be like Moses when God said, I'm going to let you and the people go in. And I'm going to take and send you with an angel. And God said, oh, Lord, what makes us, your people, different than any other nation of the world? Is it not your presence? Is it not your presence? Is it not your presence? Is it not your presence with us? If you don't go, we don't want it. Oh, God, this is the job opportunity I've been praying for that you promised me. And you find out that they're wanting you to compromise to get it. And you, be, you have to be willing to say, Lord, it looks good. It feels good. It sounds good. But they're wanting me to do something I know is wrong. God, if you're not in this, I don't want it. <laughs> oh that man or that woman oh they they say all the right things they do they they smile the way i like them to smile they say they talk i love everything about them but you know what all of a sudden things are changing you got to get said lord i want to marry him but god if you're not in this i'll even that i'll walk away from it because i want you more than anything i want you more than anything Hallelujah. they do sit down sit down sit down, sit down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel the Holy Spirit is uprooting some stuff out of our lives, freeing you. Freeing you. Freeing you. Freeing you. I I see it in my, I'm telling you, God is right now uprooting some stuff that has held us back. Ideas, mindsets, bondages, uh, some mentality, perspectives. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, why do I believe that? Why do I believe that? And God's beginning to change. And I hear the Spirit of God saying, don't be alarmed, child. Don't be alarmed. I'm going to show you where it's in the Word, what you need to believe. He's going to redirect you. He's going to redirect you. Amen. He's going to change some things. He's going to free you up to go to the next level. He's going to free you up. It doesn't matter just your career, but in your health and your finances and your marriage and your peace and your joy and your love with other people wouldn't it be nice if people didn't just act like they liked you but really liked you hallelujah well all of a sudden you started having love for people that you wouldn't love before we think we're we're doing good in our Christian world is this okay we, we almost think we're doing pretty good in the, our spiritual development character when we can tolerate people and we don't get mad and say stuff to them. Come but on. that's not the level that Jesus told us to live in. How about living at the level where you actually have love for people that before you did not like? Right. Okay, let's get quiet. Acts chapter 12 verse 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Herod had just killed James, had James killed with a sword, and instead of people getting upset... People started celebrating. He started realizing, wait a minute, they like this. So then he has Peter pris- imprisoned. I'm going to read out of the New Living. Then he imprisoned him, referring to Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So 16 guys to guard one guy. Sometimes when you're against the opposition of the enemy, you're going to feel like you are outnumbered. Yeah. But I like the story of the prophet who told his servant, He said, there's an army around this city. And the prophet says, there's more for me than against me. Say, there's more for me than than against me. And the servant said, what are you talking about? And so the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And he opened God opened his eyes. And the servant saw an innumerable, that means you can't count, army of angels. And if you look at the text, the enemy was around the city. The soldiers were around the man of God, because God's GPS God's geotracking you know what geotracking is? You need to know, because every place you go, your phone is telling people where, what you're doing and where you're at is better than the devil's. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, say, after the Passover. I love this because the, the irony of them not killing Peter because the, out of respect for the Passover. I want you to think about that just in your own personal time. The Passover was initiated because God told Moses to take a sacrificial lamb, take the blood, and put it on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes over Egypt and he sees the blood, when the death angel sees the blood, he passes over. And it was not only something that God had Moses to do as principled so God could protect his people. But it became an annual celebration to not only remember what God did for Israel, to set them out of bondage of Egypt, when the firstborn was being killed in Egypt. But the firstborn of Israel was not. But it also symbolized the future Passover lamb. In the Greek word, the word's pasach, referring to Jesus, the Passover lamb. And John the Baptist said, behold, the Pesach, the Passover lamb, who comes to take away the sins of the world. It's just interesting to me that they'll respect the Passover, but it also, I, you know, I draw out of that, is that even when the enemy's trying to attack you, when you have the covenant of the blood, come on, somebody. Amen. He might be trying to kill you, take you out, but I'm telling you, there's something between you and the devil, and that's the Passover. That's the, that's the blood sacrifice of Jesus. That's a covenant you have with Jesus as a child of God because of the blood of Jesus. Now, back in the day, some of us remember all this. Some of us old-timers, remember, we would call it, we're pleading the blood. Do you remember that? Say, so I plead the blood. That, that means I'm taking the benefits. I claim the benefits of the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did. Uh, and when the enemy's trying to attack you, get you in your prison, imprison you, hold you back, you can start, I'm pleading the blood. It'll stop the tactic of the enemy. But while Peter was in prison, while he was still in prison, the church prayed. Aren't you glad we have people praying? Yes. We're praying, church. Very earnestly for him. Verse 6, the night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep. Now, I I just got to pause. I just draw these things. I think it's just so interesting. Listen, 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 Think about this. Have you ever been stressed out about a coming event? Man, I think about times of when I was a kid and my mom saying, when your dad gets home. Have you ever had that? Ever had that moment? Or maybe when you realize that you have a, a final the next morning you haven't studied for. You know, there's something about that stress and that pressure and you don't want to wait and you just want to get it over with and You just want to get around it, you just want to ignore it. And you just don't want it to happen, but you're, that, that pressure, it'll keep you up. Or the doctor says, I saw something in your x-ray, we need to have an appointment next week. Don't you love doctors? Praise God, we got doctors in the house. I love doctors. But I'll tell you what, someone needs to change. If they have bad news, don't set up an appointment two weeks from now. Put it in your books for two weeks and call me the night before. Call me one hour. Right? Because what happens? You stress out about it. You can't sleep for weeks. What did he see? What did she see? What do they know? And then, and then you get there like, oh, we're sorry. You know what? We have to do that test again because we had a malfunction and I, I don't have anything on the x-ray. And for two weeks you've been stressing out. Peter knows the next day he's, they're going to try to kill him. And he's in prison. He's got 16 guys guarding him. If there's any way to try to sneak out of that place, 16 guys, of which he's chained with two chains, one to the guy to the left and one to the guy to the right. And he's probably thinking, oh God, now what? I don't know about you. I can't speak for Peter. I would be awake. I, you know, the human tendency, Lord, I trust you, but I'm gonna try to figure out a plan. I'm going to stay up all night if I have to because what, I mean, if they kill you in the morning, you don't have to worry about your sleep, right? I might as well use this time wisely. I'm going to watch how they move. I'm going to watch how the, all the, everybody in the place, how they open doors, close doors. I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to analyze this. I'm going to look for my one moment to break out of this and run, run for my life. I'm going to figure it out. And I mean, or at least pray. I mean, if you're going to be super, Lord, I'm going to stay up all night and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And this Man. Sleep. 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 Come on, read the Bibles in a newspaper. Now it's a fairy tale story. The man's sleeping. The night before, he's supposed to be executed. Right. <laughs> wow. Fastened with ch- two chains between the two soldiers, others stood guard at the prison gate. So even if he could manhandle the two guards chain to him, beat them, take their keys, knock them out, get away, he still has. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell. And the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. Come on, we got to act this out. <laughs> this is Peter. He's sleeping. I'll be the angel. Use your imagination. You're like, what are you doing? That's the sound of a real bright light, right? You ever turn on a light really loud? A lot of power. You never got too close to a generator before? It's just got that sound, right? So here's Peter sleeping, and an angel shows up. And I, I wonder, now, I, I don't know, obviously angels are intelligent, but wonder what he was thinking right at that time. You know what I'd be thinking, really? You're about to die in less than 24 hours. You're in prison. God sent me here. Or maybe he's got wings. I don't know. But we don't know how long he stood there. But he stood there for a while, I guess. Because then the Bible says he smacked him. That's why I picked you, because I've been wanting to hit you all week. I love that. I'm joking. (laughs) He smacked him. The angel had to hit him and say, quickly, get up! And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he he did. I just got to ask, why? If I'm trying to bust out of jail, I don't care about the coat I came in with. (laughs) Every second counts, right? That's not my shoe. Excuse me, let me, is that, is that your shoe? What, I mean, where do they store these clothes? It's not like, okay, sit down, we're going to put chains, and now we're going to take your coat, and we're going to hang it right behind you, just in case you get cold. Right? And so all of a sudden, we, we find him, cha- and he says, get up. Okay, that's cool. Chains are falling. Now get dressed. Get dressed. Let's just get out of here. I'll buy something, I'll, I'll buy something in Target later. Right. No clothes. Get out of just get out of Dodge as fast as you can. Right. But the angel said, nope, why don't you get dressed? And put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat. Really? My perspective, I'd be like, you're an angel. You're bigger than me. But I'm starting to get impatient. Really? Now put on my coat. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. And the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. He was half out of it. And they passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate. Leading to the city, the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. Yes, and so they passed through, and started walking down. And then the angel suddenly left him. Now, so it opened by itself. Now there probably was other angels. I don't know. Maybe the angel just has his finger thing going and bing, doors open. I don't know. But he's following the angel. So the angel wakes him up and basically gives him three orders. Get up. Say, get up. I don't know why I hit you. It's what him I wanted to hit. You just happened to be at the wrong place. You have The wrong place at the right time. Say, get up. Say, get ready. get ready. Now, this is not proper English, but we're going to use it because I have the word get in it. Say, get going. Get going. All right. So get up. Get ready. Get going. Those three things I've been noticing in that text that I think is applicable for us today is because a lot of times we want God to dump everything on us. And God will bring you into your next level of season, but most people don't want to get up. They want to do things the way they've always done it. And Isaiah 60 verse 1 tells us to arise and shine. Why? Because, the, because your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Psalms 119 tells me that it's the entrance of His Word, the unfolding of His Word, that gives light. It's the unfolding, the teaching, the revelation of His Word that gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So when God reveals his word. He's telling you it's time to get up. Yes. yes, There's a door opening. I need you to get through it. And before I can get you through it, I got to get you up. Yes. Some of us, because my question would be why didn't the angel just drag that dead sucker? <laughs> now you would have freaked out if I would have drugged him out of his chair. Right there. You would have been OMG pastors on something we need to pray for him. But that would have been the coolest illustration i could have ever done grab and just say come on peter you're asleep i'm not going to wait for you you're coming with me and drag peter through the gates he didn't do it but that's what we want god to do for us We want God to drag us, kicking and screaming, to the level of blessing or victory or peace or good marriage. We want to do everything the way we've always done it. I want to look at life every way I've always looked at it. I want to have the same mindset, the same support system, same background. I want to do everything, nothing different, but I want you to drag me to where you want me to go. And God says, I can't drag you. I can't override your will. I need you to get up. Say, get up. But then he's gonna say, I want you to not only get up, I need you to get ready. You have to be ready for where, you have to be ready, not for where you're at. You have to be ready for where. Oh, you guys are good. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God will ask you to do stuff that doesn't make sense to where you're at in the moment. But He's not looking to the moment. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He's the solution. Don't look. Don't get caught up with the situation. Begin to look to the solution. And in going to the solution, He's going to ask you to get ready for the solution. He's going to ask you to get ready for the next level. He's going to ask you to get ready for the next season. God, I'm single. I don't need to read a book on how to be a good husband. Well, don't wait till you're married to figure out, get ready before you get there. Lord, I don't need to understand Uh, biblical management techniques and how to build a team and lead somebody. I'm just an employee. One day I want to have a job where I own, I want to own a business and have a bunch of employees, but not today. I don't need to do that. You're short-circuiting your journey because a lot of people don't want to get ready for where God's taking them. They want God to drag them there. And God's not going to take you kicking and screaming and bring you into a place that you're not ready for God's not gonna drag you to a place that you're not prepared. Nope. Oh, Lord, let me win that lottery. $750 million. Lord, I would do a lot of good with that almost three-fourths of a billion. Whoo, I would tithe. You're not tithing on 500. Why would you tithe on 750 million? To much given, much is required. You, you're stressing out with that little demon affecting your finances right now. Well, I heard somebody said, tithe there's not any more important. We don't need to do it. And you're caught up with that little stuff. And all of a sudden, not getting into the Word to find the real stuff. And all of a sudden, you, got ex- you expect God to give you three-fourths of a billion dollars and you're going to tithe up? No, there's bigger demons at that level. If you can't... Oh. Say, get up. Say, get ready. ready. Shout, get going. going. You might not have noticed it, but while we we're just laughing and teaching and preaching and clapping, the Spirit of God's been working on your behalf. You didn't even realize it, because you're many times we're dictated by our perception and our mental filters of what we see. But you don't realize what God is doing behind the scenes. Get up, get ready, get going. They had to step through. Peter had to step through the gates. He had to follow. Mm -hmm. If Peter would have been like, "Hmm." word on the street is you just opened up all the gates for Paul. Paul didn't have to get ready. They didn't ask Paul to do any of this. Paul had an earthquake. Paul was even, Paul even led the people, the the guards to the Lord. Well if I go back to the church and they're gonna ask me, Paul led someone to the Lord? Did you lead your guards to the Lord? I got 16 of them. I don't like the way you're doing it, Jesus. Peter could have stayed in his cell. Some of us are staying in the defined boundary of our world. Because we don't like that God's doing it different for us than he's done for something or someone else. In closing, I want to challenge you, not only get up, get ready, get going. You have to step through the door. Step through the door. Step through the door. See, I got to step through the door. Not everybody's going to step through the door. Not everybody wants to step through the door. Every, some people just want to be drugged through the door and it don't work that way. And they can't get mad and they get mad at everybody else who stepped through the door. I don't know why you think you're so spiritual. You prayed and got an answer. I've been praying. Well, God's been trying to give you an answer. He's even smacked you with an angel. But all we want to do is say, Well, drag me. To, I don't want to. out Jesus, make it happen for me. No, you got to do some stepping. It's a walk of faith. Be led by the Spirit. It's a walk of faith. You got to step through. Shout, Step through the door. Look to your neighbor and say, step through the door. door. Come on, they stepped. They walked through. They stepped through the door. They stepped through the door. They stepped. They didn't drag. They were walking. They stepped through the door. Ephesians 5, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. we got to be, listen to me church, we are in the last of the last days and I'm totally serious about this. If we're not careful, we will miss the opportunities of God. Just not for you to have a promotion. There's a bigger thing going on. People are dying every day and going to hell. God wants to use us to change our world, to impact our world. I'll go so far as say if He did it for the disciples, He can do it for us. He wants us to turn our world upside down. But we have to be ready and willing to step through the door when he creates the opportunity that he's given us shout step through the door man in my own prayer time earlier this week I got caught up in the spirit and it just started coming out of my spirit over and over and over again step through the door step through the door step through the door You, the same anointing you need to wake up the same anointing you need to get ready is the same anointing you need to start walking but I want you to know the gate didn't open until they started walking the chains didn't fall until they started rising don't wait for the situation to give you permission to move move and the situation will come in alignment with his will shout step through the door that means god will ask you to trust him with all your heart lean out to your own understanding all your ways acknowledge him and direct your path and he'll ask you to walk toward an iron gate that's already closed I don't know why you're asking me to walk to this iron gate, Jesus. It's closed. I can see it's closed. It's an iron gate. Why would they tell you that? To let you know that it wasn't no paperweight. It was an iron gate. But Jesus said, hey, follow follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I'm following you to a locked gate. What's that going to do? But you don't understand, child of God. As you get closer, it's going to open. There's nobody to open it. You don't need somebody else to open it. The great I am. The all-sufficient one. He's the one to change it change the records change the opportunity change the perspective of your boss change it all around you just have to be willing to go through the door shout step through the door step through the door shout step through the door are you ready to step through the door this week father in the name of jesus for every hand that's raised i ask for a supernatural miraculous boldness, anointing on their life, on their mindset, as we wake up to the revelation of your word, as we get ready for the season you're bringing us into individually and corporately. And I thank you that we will have the boldness and ability to step through every opportunity that you bring to us in our week, in our journey, in our life. We call it so in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe that, give them the loudest praise the next 30 seconds. Hallelujah! hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah i'm going to read one more scripture i won't exhort or teach from it I, i think it's just amazing in itself habakkuk 319. i believe somebody needs this amplified translation habakkuk 319. the lord god let's read this together fill that on the screen ready one two three the lord god is my strength my source of courage My invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds' feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. Are you listening to me? That's right here. The Spirit of God says, even when there's storms and challenges, He's not asking you to take a step back, He's going to move you forward. He's going to move you forward. He's going to move you forward. Say, I'm going forward. Because of Jesus. Say, I'm going forward. I'm going to step through the gate. I'm going through the door. And it's leading me forward. Not backwards. Forwards. If you believe that, give them bold praise to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking, if you know about God, I'm not asking you to join a church, to domination or religion. I'm asking you this one question, is Jesus Christ real to you today? In The way you understand it, the way you process, and the way you experience. Only you can answer this for yourself. Is He real? Is He Lord and Savior? If He's not, He can be. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. i want to lead you in a simple prayer because Romans 5 says, with the heart man believes in a righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. A s- short, simple prayer that will create a powerful, eternal impact. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus... This is your opportunity don't miss it god's not going to drag you he's not going to force you you have to step through that door that opportunity pray this prayer if you want to know him if tonight you want to lay your head on your pillow and have peace and rest and know that everything's right between you and god let this prayer come from your heart say with me heavenly father i repent of all my sins i turn to you today I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, Forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. See Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I invite you now into my heart and life to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me, in Jesus' name, amen. Now look up here. If you prayed that prayer, just so I know who I was praying with. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything else, but just so I know who I was praying with. At the count of three, I want you to lift your hand, just so I know. Those in the auditorium, those in the portico, in the hallway, at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and say, that was me, Pastor, you were praying with me. One, two, three, who was I praying with? Let me see your hand, I see the hand, second hand, third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand, God bless you, six, seven, eight, keep it up as high as you can. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, anybody, thank you, 18, God bless you, 19, God bless you, God bless you. 20. God bless you. Come on, give them a big hand clap. God bless you. Hallelujah. Father, for every person that raised their hand, according to your word, I ask you to anoint them with might and strength in their inner person. Give them supernatural strength and confidence to stand for you and to serve you and follow you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. amen church. Listen, if you just got saved, welcome to the family of God. We're not going to control you, pressure you, but we're here for you. You let us know what you need. If you have questions, we're here to, you can ask. Call the office, go to the information center, I'm, I'm walking around. Whatever you might need, we're here for you. We do things a little different. I'm not going to chase you down. I don't believe in, I don't believe in cold calls and high pressure. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or different. That's just not our style. And so, we believe in an ongoing relationship. Get involved. Just don't get saved and go back to your old lifestyle. It's not going to work. But if you want to make heaven, it's about a relationship, ongoing relationship with the Lord and his people. So keep coming back. Get involved. Let us know if you need anything. We're here to pray for you. We're here to help you any way we can. Amen, church? Amen. Amen.